usually, the mission of Edge of Your Seat podcast is to talk about local Illinois stuff, right? We're going to switch it up just a tad and talk about some Chicago stuff right out the gate. Because first, Khalil Mack is traded. No longer a Chicago Bear, a San Diego Charger. Bears receive a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 sixth round pick. That's what was announced or came out yesterday on Twitter. Maybe some other things in the package weren't officially over. But Kalumak is gone. It's insane. He's been the main man of the defense since 2018 when we traded with the Raiders to make him a Chicago Bear. However, I'm kind of happy about this. He's been hurt very often. He misses games every single season. This past year, he only played in seven. That was it. Seven out of 17 since we had the extra week for the first time in NFL history. So he had 10 weeks off for injury, and it seems like it's more and more every year. I think it was a very, very smart move to get rid of him while he still has value. His name still means something for defenses. If you read any of the stories about the trade, they're saying, hey, the Chargers just got a capable linebacker that he can still play. I don't know if he can, or at least if he can stay healthy. So this was a great time to make a trade where he still has some value and brings in some high-end picks for the Chicago Bears to build for the future. Then we got to talk about the Chicago Bulls. Their last game on Wednesday, March 9th, today being Saturday, March 12th, and finally got a win after losing five straight to the likes of Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Atlanta, which Atlanta is a 10 seed, but Milwaukee, Philadelphia in the top four with the Chicago Bulls. We needed those wins, didn't get them, fell short. Finally on Wednesday, they get a W, 114-108 over the Detroit Pistons, which are not a good team. The Pistons have only won 18 games on the season. They're not good, not good at all. But, I mean, we need those wins. You have to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. The Detroit Pistons are on that list for the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan, my favorite bull right now. I love this dude. 36 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Zach Levine, 25 points, 5 rebounds. Nikola Vucevic, 21 points, 6 rebounds. This has to happen against Philadelphia, against Milwaukee, against those top teams, the Miami Heat. For us to get those W's, DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic have to be in the 30s and the 20s every single game and have complimentary stats. The rebounds, the assists, the blocks, the steals. Otherwise, we're not going to win. Our all-stars, our superstar, has to play at the highest level possible if we want these Ws against these teams. The East is not weak anymore. It used to be weak for a very, very long time. It's not. It is kind of stacked. The top seven, eight teams are all quality teams and can play the game of basketball. So every single night, DeRozan, Levine, Vucevic have to do their thing. I'm excited because tonight, 7 o'clock, the Bulls are at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I'm going to be there. Going to watch the game, make sure the Bulls can get another W. The Bulls come into the game, 40 wins, 26 losses, in fourth in the Eastern Conference, while the Cleveland Cavaliers are 38 and 28, sitting in sixth place. The Cavaliers have a very weird roster. Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen, Kevin Love, Karis LeVert, Laurie Markkinen, Colin Sexton, and Rajon Rondo are the team's best players. 
I mean, that's just a weird lineup of pieces that doesn't seem like it's going to work or fit together. Evan Mobley, a great rookie. I love Darius Garland's game. I was glad he was in the all-star activities. He was in the game. Jared Allen, I love his game. He's just a tall, lanky center. I hate Laurie Marketing. I hated him as a bull. I'm glad we got rid of him. Karis LeVert is a future all-star, no doubt. Rajon Rondo, Kevin Love, Wiley Veterans, championship resumes. It's just a weird collection of everybody put together and the way that they play. But it's obviously working. At one point, Cavaliers were third or fourth in the Eastern Conference. Now they sit at sixth. Now they sit at sixth. I think some injuries had to do with it. Some COVID stuff had to do with it. But they're a formidable team. I mean, they're not going to be laughed at when they get to the playoffs, and they're going to be a tough out. So I'm excited to go to this game tonight, see what happens. But you know me, I want that Chicago Bulls dub. On this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we're at 216. Our guest is Jason Smith. I talked to him a few days after his Princeton Tiger varsity boys basketball team fell in a 2A Mendota sectional semifinal against Farmington, 65-56. That was on Tuesday, March 1st. We spoke a couple days after that. Farmington went on to, obviously, the sectional final. They fell to Rock Ridge. Rock Ridge got to the state tournament, the final four, but they fell in the semifinal and then fell in the third place game, finishing fourth overall in the state. That's still an accomplishment. So, you know, Princeton led its way up, got to the sectional semi. Congrats to them. They had a fantastic season, won their first regional title in 11 years, adding that to the trophy case in Princeton. That's awesome. Jason Smith is a great coach, loves doing what he does, loves these kids, and it shows in this podcast. So he'll be a little later on after we break down the IHSA girls basketball playoff. The championships were last weekend, again, today being Saturday, March 12th. The girls wrapped up their season last weekend with the state championships. The boys are playing right now. I watched the Class 1A game, and then I was like, hey, I muted it while I was editing, while I'm talking right now. It's still on, though. They're being played. And of course, you know, we're going to talk about that when the time is right. And our IHSA Girls Basketball Playoff Breakdown is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. Let's start with Class 1A, the Brimfield Sectional. We're not going to go through every regional, like break down where it was, where it was. We'll just say the sectional. You know, there's a top half, a bottom half. There's four regionals in each sectional. So we'll just go from there. So the top half of the Brimfield Sectional, Class 1A, Regional Quarterfinal, the 11 seed, Flanagan Cornell, defeated the 12 seed, Stark County, 51-40. However, Flanagan Cornell lost in the semifinal to Elmwood, the number two seed, 66-12. In another regional quarter, number seven, Roanoke Benson, knocked off 13 Peoria Christian, 52-19. In the regional semifinal, Roanoke Benson lost 37-26 to number three, Illini Bluffs. In the bottom half of the Brimfield sectional, in a regional quarter, number 10, Weathersfield lost 62-27 to number four, Princeville. In another quarter, the five-seed, Anawan, knocked off number nine, Galva, 52-36. Anawan then won the regional semifinal 60-58, 
just slid by number four, Princeville. Then get to the regional final and the five seed Anawan fell to Brimfield, the top seed, 67 to 39. At the 1A Hinkley Big Rock sectional, the top half of the bracket in the regional quarterfinal, the eight seed Midland knocked off, I'd call this an upset, the six seed Putnam County, 42 to 39. In the semifinal, the top seed Serena knocked off Midland, 48 to 23. In another regional quarterfinal, the five seed Henry Sananchuan beat number 11 Depew, 50 to 20. And then in the semifinal, Marquette, the four seed, knocked off Henry Sananchuan, 36 to 29. In the regional final, Serena beat Marquette, 45 to 30. We'll get back to Serena in just a second. In the other regional in the bottom half of the Hinkley Big Rock sectional, in a semifinal, number two, Hinkley Big Rock beat number six, Yorkville Christian, 36-23. In the regional final, Hinkley Big Rock, your regional champion, beating the five seed, Walter Christian, 42-19. In the sectional semifinal, Serena victorious over Hinkley Big Rock, 31-26. In the bottom half of the 1A Hinkley Big Rock sectional, in the quarterfinal, number nine, Dwight defeated number 10, Gardner South Wilmington, 34-25. In the semifinal, Newark, the two seed, beat Dwight, 53-29. In another semifinal, a seven seed, the St. B. Lady Bruins, upset number three, Earlville, 43-29. That was a pretty big upset because Earlville has been playing good basketball all season long. In the regional final, Newark took out the Lady Bruins of St. Bede, 64-35. Newark wasn't done yet, because in the sectional semifinal, they knock off Schaumburg Christian, 71-54. This set up the sectional championship showdown between Serena and Newark. Serena wins the sectional, moving on to the super sectional, 49-27. And once again, we'll get back to Serena. Their voyage is not over. At the Forreston sectional, in the regional quarterfinal, the five seed Polo knocked off 13 Hiawatha, 59 to 17. In the semifinal, Polo stayed in the winning column with a 50-45 victory over the four seed Indian Creek. In the regional final, Polo couldn't keep the winning ways going as the one seed Pecatonica beat Polo 50 to 40. In another regional in the Forreston sectional, Newman lost its quarterfinal matchup to Eastland, Newman being the 13, Eastland being the 7, 59 to 26. Also in another regional in the quarterfinal, Amboy Lamoille, a three seed, defeated a 12 seed Rockford Christian Life, 44-16. They get to the semifinal, knock off the six seed Dakota, 29-26, just sliding by, but got to the regional final where they were defeated by the two seed Freeport Aquan, 33-23. Now back to Serena in the 1A Super 16. Only 16 teams left in the state at this point. So Serena beat Newark 49-27 for the sectional championship. This moved them on to the Super Sectional against Ridgeview where they picked up the 46-34 victory for a spot in the state tourney, the Final Four. Congrats to them. That is huge. 
doesn't even matter if you win a state championship. I mean, of course, you want to win. You want to add to the trophy case. You want to say you're a state champ. But just being a Final Four in any of these classes, that's tough. And that is extremely tough. I mean, very tough. Tough, tough, tough. Every single season. In the semifinal, Serena lost to Galena 58-31, moving them into the third place game where they fell 45-23 to Naoga. Congrats to Serena, finishing fourth in the state. Super impressive, great season. Let's move to 2A, the Monticello sectional, which was won by Pena. Pena isn't a team that we cover, but their head coach, Brent McKinney, is a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and he will be back on very, very soon. They won it. Congratulations to him. They moved to the super sectional. At the IVC sectional, if you don't know what IVC is, that's Illinois Valley Central, and that is in Chillicothe. Great school. Their soccer fields are amazing. I think I've only watched about five or six sectional semifinals and championships in Chillicothe at IVC. Everybody there is super cool. Love going there. Anyway, back to basketball. Regional quarterfinal, 10 seed Burrow Valley beat number eight Hall, 31-28. In the semifinal, though, Burrow Valley ran into the one seed Sherrard and fell 72-22. In the other semifinal, the Princeton Tigresses were the four seed. They suffered an upset loss to number six IVC, 47-40. In the regional quarter in the bottom half of the IVC sectional, the seven spot, Kiwani, was upset by number nine, Mercer County, 42-26. The 2A Johnsburg sectional, Byron goes on a run. Regional semifinal, Byron was a two seed, defeated Rockford Christian, the seven seed, 61-41. In the regional final, Byron knocks off Rockford Christian, the five spot, 54-44. We get to the sectional semifinals. Byron wins again, beating Johnsburg, a four seed, 57-24. In the sectional final, Byron falls to Winnebago, the top spot, 50-38. Or just hitting the fast forward button just a tad, Winnebago is eventually the Class 2A state runner-up. So they get all the way through to the very, very last game of the 2A bracket and fall just a little bit short. So Byron didn't get knocked out by any scrub, just to say the least. The bottom half of the 2A Johnsburg sectional in a regional quarterfinal, 10 spot Oregon defeated number nine Riverdale, 42 to 35. Unfortunately for Oregon, they ran into Winnebago in a regional semifinal, 78-21 loss. In another regional, number nine Sandwich has a couple upsets. In a quarterfinal, they beat number seven Samanac, 47-40. Then they get to the semifinal, and a huge upset over number two, Elgin St. Edward, 43-36. Their Cinderella season ended, though, in the regional final as number three, Aurora Christian, defeated Sandwich, 47-40. Still a good showing against a quality squad in Aurora Christian. In another regional quarterfinal, number 12, Mendota, lost to Wheaton Academy, 49-26. In the 2A Piatone sectional, regional quarterfinal, the five-spot Hersher defeated number 12, Reed Custer, 68-13. In regional semifinal action, Hersher fell to Prairie Central, the number three spot, 62-58. In the bottom half of the Piatone sectional, in a regional quarterfinal, 
Hopefully you can follow that. I know regional sectional talk gets all kind of crazy, but in the regional quarterfinal, eight spot, Cole City falls by three, 46-43 to number seven, El Paso Gridley. In another quarterfinal, Seneca, a six spot, 47 points, beats Pontiac's 43, Pontiac being a nine seed. Get to the semifinals, El Paso runs into Fieldcrest, and Fieldcrest not to be beat, 46-37. In the other semifinal, Seneca defeats the four-spot Beecher, 48-40. In the regional final, Fieldcrest defeats Seneca, 30-17. Fieldcrest then moves to the sectional semifinal, where they knocked out Paxton Buckley Loda, 56-33. This brings us to the Super 16, which had Byron and Fieldcrest. Like we said, Byron lost to Winnebago, 40-38 in the sectional semifinal after winning the sectional championship. Congrats to the Lady Tigers. Fieldcrest gets to the super sectional and holds on 43-40 to beat Chicago Noble Butler. Advancing to the state tournament. So happy for Coach Mitch Neely. We are going to reach out to him, of course. He's a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. And he is always doing whatever he can to improve the Knights program and pushing them. This is the first time they've ever got to state. Every single season, it seems like Mitch Neely is doing things in Fieldcrest that they've never done before. That's his drive. That's his ambition. That's the way he works with his girls, his team. He does his thing year in and year out. They deserve this trip to state. No doubt. They get to a state final, and who do they run into? Of course, Winnebago. Seems like Winnebago took out all of our Class 2A teams. They defeat Fieldcrest 51-47. This put Fieldcrest in the third place game against Pena. Pena and Brent McKinney win the third place game 49-45. So Fieldcrest, even though they lost their last two games of the season, played super tough against really good teams. And this was a really fun state tournament to watch. All of these games were amazing. They were close. They were a lot of fun. Let's take a break in the basketball talk and have a word with our sponsor, Shimmer Mendota Ford. This episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast is brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town, the staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranek, pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Doug Safranek is from Mendota, Basketball Player of the Year in 2003, and he is ready to use his knowledge of vehicles to connect with your wishes to get you the vehicle you're searching for. Jason Hintz has been with Shimmer Mendota Ford for six years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every single way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Shimmer family, Ski, Jason, and Doug will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Shimmer Mendota Ford. Now we're back. 3A Caneland Sectional in the Regional Quarterfinal. The number six seed Rochelle beats number nine Plano 53 19. 
In a semifinal, number one Sycamore, 66-31 over number six Rochelle. Get to the regional final, Sycamore crowned champs with a 53-28 victory over Belvedere North. This puts Sycamore in a sectional semifinal and they knocked off number two Providence Catholic, 53-29. In the sectional championship, Sycamore victorious once again, barely holding on 57-56 to defeat Montini. We'll get back to Sycamore because they're still alive, of course. 3A LaSalle Peru sectional, the top half of the bracket in a regional quarterfinal. Number seven Sterling defeated number eight Morris, 32-28. Regional semifinal, number two Dixon beat number seven Sterling, 29-21. In the other semifinal, LaSalle, Peru, the sixth spot, fell 63-43 to number three, Galesburg. In the regional final, number two, Dixon, lost to number three, Galesburg, 40-37. In the bottom half of the LaSalle, Peru sectional, in a regional semifinal, Geneseo thumps Streeter, 98-21. Geneseo being the top seed and Streeter being a number nine seed. In the other semifinal, Ottawa, the four seed, loses to number five, Rock Island, 53-47. In the regional final, Geneseo gets another victory, 62-48 over Rock Island. However, Geneseo could not keep their winning ways going as they lost in the sectional semifinal, 61-51, to number five, Washington. This brings us to the Super 16. The Lady Spartans won the sectional, 57-56 over Montini. Then they ran into Carmel, which is from Mundelein, and lost 49-37 in the Super Sectional. They have nothing to hang their heads on because Carmel went on to win the state championship. I watched Carmel beat Nazareth, who had beat Carmel two times previously in the season. Carmel pulls it out, and it was a great game. Great, great game. Loved watching it. Unfortunately, Sycamore couldn't get there. If they would have knocked off Carmel, they could have been state champs. That would have been awesome. If you didn't know, I'm from Sycamore, went to West Elementary, so always got some love for Sycamore. In Class 4A, DeKalb was a four seed, but they lost in the regional quarterfinal to number five, Rockford Auburn, 68-49. In the championship game for 4A, check this one out too, Stevenson victorious, 55-43 over Barrington. For Stevenson, Simone Sawyer, a smooth 26 points, she scored the first 10 points for Stevenson and then just kept it going. A silent assassin. Mid-range, layups, played defense to get her own points. It was a lot of fun to watch. On the other side of the ball, Barrington's Sophie Swanson only had 15 points. I say only. I mean, a lot of people, that's a lot. But the game before, she had 35 in the semifinal to get Barrington to the state championship. However, she was scoreless in the first half as she had to sit because of foul trouble she comes in in the third quarter and just started splashing. Hit two threes. She broke somebody's ankles with a crossover. It was a lot of fun to watch. But watching Simone Sawyer and Sophie Swanson definitely was a showcase of why Sawyer is going to Penn State and Swanson is going to Purdue. They got the skills, no doubt. Let's hear a word from Olsa Construction. And then you know what? It's time to get to the guest. It's time to get to Jason Smith talking about Princeton Tiger boys basketball. The varsity squad made it to a sectional semifinal. Tons of fun to listen to him. He's a great coach, great guy. I'm sure he'll be back on the podcast numerous, numerous times. 
So, word from Molson Construction, we'll get to Jason right away. So until next time, peace. It's March, almost spring, almost, almost so close to really nice weather. So we're so close to nice weather, almost ready for outdoor family gatherings. But it is time, like right now, to start thinking about and putting in action home renovations for your home. Olson Construction is a licensed and insured family owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have the skills and 10 years of experience to install, demolish, build, recreate, calculate, formulate, and percolate. It's time for the percolator. Home renovations in every room, hallway, staircase, garage, shed, or basement. For a free estimate, call 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction 19 at yahoo.com edge of your seat podcast on tuesday was in mendota for a class 2a sectional semifinal between princeton and farmington we have princeton coach jason smith after a loss in the semifinal i know that one had a sting a little bit jason yeah it does uh i thought the kids played well we executed for about two and a half quarters Got away with our game plan, and as a coach, you always we play stuff back in your head. Shoulda, coulda, woulda done this, that, and everything else. But the one thing I'll never doubt is how hard our kids played, and I thought they played extremely well or extremely hard. We just couldn't come up with a W. Yeah, there was a lot of cool things going on. I mean, I don't know the names of all your players, so I'll give you a number and you can throw out a name. But uh, 34, I believe that's Colton Monroe. Correct. Gets a steal, throws on a dunk, seems like your team's turning around. Because when I first got there, I was a little late coming in from work. And you guys had a double-digit lead, and then they slowly chipped away, hit a couple threes, and kind of turned the momentum in their favor. And then for the rest of the game, especially in the second half, it was like you guys were clawing trying to get back into it. Yeah, I thought that was where the game was won and lost, right? Is when we had that 10-point lead, Farmington took a timeout. We came out, forced them into a bad shot didn't come up with a rebound, they should put back it in, and then it's down by eight, and then we come down the other way, and, uh, you know, we get uh, a charge call by Tegan, um, we get the second foul, has to pull him out, and he's a big rebounder, and we just got away with the rebound, and so I wish uh, I would have called timeout right in there, just to uh, maybe calm things down a little bit, would have could have should have things, I wish I would have done, but uh, yeah, you're right, we just... After we relinquished that lead a little bit, we just couldn't quite claw our way back into it. We tied up a couple of different times and just couldn't regain the lead. And, and they had thought the Farmington, I mean, they executed their plan to perfection. I thought after that 10-point lead and uh, uh, did some stuff that they wanted to do, and we just didn't stop it. So they come back, then they get like an eight-point lead. You guys get a steal and a layup, and then Monroe and Tegan Davis, they hit back-to-back threes, and I think it's tied at 38-38, and then they go on a 7-0 run. You guys go on a 4-0 run, and then they go on like an 8-0 run, and it's just like you guys couldn't match the runs that they were going on. Yeah, I thought some of it had to do with the... Uh, I didn't think we rebounded as well as we should have uh, on the defensive boards. We gave up way too many offensive rebounds. We forced them into some bad shots. They were coming up with the rebound, the hustle, the 50-50 balls. And I think, you know, that's kind of an X to the low standpoint. That's where the game was won and lost. 
Definitely. What I liked about your team, though, even though, you know, it's the end of the fourth quarter, we're like a minute, minute and a half, and they're still going after blocks. Number 14 gets a block. Moreau got a block. His brother was in there, number 42. What's 14 and 42's names? Uh, Grady Thompson and Caden Monroe. Yeah, they were getting blocks. Caden is going into the paint, taking on the whole team, throwing up layups. And, I mean, it was like, hey, we're still in this. It's not over yet. I, I was kind of inspired by that. They didn't give up by any means. Yeah, they, they had the never uh, quit attitude. And uh, as a coach, that's all you can ask for and appreciate. You know, we didn't play very well earlier in the season. I question their work ethic and, and how hard we play on the floor. And, and since that, that day... You know, we went on a 15-2 and two run to end the season, and I thought they were playing extremely hard. And I thought, you know, the postseason we can make a little run, beat Mendota, who's a solid and improved Mendota team. You know, beat a Kiwani team that beat us twice. And I said, well, just by looking at the sectionals, it's for us for the take. And we just, uh, we just didn't put four quarters together. And, and that's what stings the most is, you know, this team was capable of so much more than just, Winning that regional, I thought we could go on a little farther, and uh, we just fell a little short. Going into the game, how did you feel about your team against Farmington? How did you like the matchup against them? Uh, I liked our matchup. I thought we could exploit the Caden Monroe matchup down low, and I thought we did a good job of that early on in the game. And I thought later in the in the game, we got away from that a little bit. You know, I like our athleticism. I, I like the way we match up athletically against other teams, they're probably the closest team we've played all year that matched our athleticism, you know, and I thought we adjusted that to that pretty well. We just had guys that uh, normally make shots that didn't make shots, and, you know, that's the game of basketball. That's why you play in the postseason. That's why they call it March Madness, and uh, we're sitting on the outside looking in now watching the other teams play and, and thinking to ourselves, that could be us. You mentioned winning the regional. This was the first regional for Princeton in 11 years. I mean, over a decade, hadn't had one. It had to feel good to win one, especially with this group who, like I said, started off slow, but they kind of turned it around and proved that they wanted to win games and try to get some hardware. The seniors don't know it right now, or these juniors, but the program that we as coaches are trying to build, you know, I consider this as my second year here, even though it's my third year here because of COVID year. This is our second full season. The first year I thought we had some foundation laid out. The second year, we had some building blocks laid out. But I think the structure really came from this group here to lay the, the, to set the bar high for the other teams to achieve. You know, we used to talk about, you know, we haven't won a regional since 2010, blah, blah, blah. Now they can say we won a regional in 2022. Let's be like the 2022 team. And those seniors don't know it yet, but they're going to be referred to that going forward. And I think that's a big deal. And it's a hats off to them for all their hard work and effort that they put towards the game of basketball to achieve the goals that we achieved. Good stuff, good stuff. Man, only three years. It seems like you've been there a lot longer. It's crazy. Yeah, it's only been three years. It's been fun. The more I'm around those kids, the more at home it feels like I'm blessed to be a part of this program and that they wanted me there. You had mentioned you guys went on a 15-2 and two run at the end of the season. How did it feel as a coach and as a team to be like, hey, we're underperforming, then we're the underdogs, like then, okay, then people are looking at us like, hey, they could beat us, we need to play our A game, and then you became one of the better teams in the area. 
the transformation in about a month and a half, two months for you guys went from one extreme to the other. How was it as a coach and a team going through that? Um, I think the team, it was more important for the team to believe in each other and believe in the process than it was for us coaches because the coaches knew it was there. We just had to get them to believe in each other and believe in what we were doing to get them to, to start striving upward. You know, we lost the like five games early on by a total of eight points. And that's why the coaching staff believed that these guys could do it. Those five games we lost were some good teams. You know, we lost two or three to a buzzer beater, one in overtime, and we were right there in all those games. So to them, for them to trust each other and trust the coaches, it just took uh, a couple of wins in a row for them to start believing. And then the more we won, the more the confidence grew the better we played as a team and the better we became as a team. Definitely. And you mentioned the athleticism, and you can totally see that just looking at him. I mean, like I said, I saw Colton Monroe throw a dunk down, but he looks like he could do that. You have a couple other players that just look like they're super athletic, but they have the fundamentals of basketball too, and that was evident even in this game, even in a loss. That's why I think that them being athletes like they were, I think uh, that's why people expected more out of them, right? I think seeing all the dunks and there are times where we'd have like six or eight dunks in a game. Well, dunks don't always equivalent to wins. And so we were athletic, but our basketball IQ probably wasn't there. And and for us to grow forward, we had to get a little bit smarter at basketball. And I think we took big leaps and bounds from the beginning to the end to get the to get that basketball IQ there. And I think that's what really helped us out to get on that winning streak and to win that regional is we understood what it took to uh, handle the ball possession, my possession, and, and I thought we got better at that. Could we grow more? Absolutely. I was pretty happy with how they grew from the very beginning of the year till now. I know season just ended a couple days ago. I know there's still a little sore spot there, but you're losing some seniors, but you're also bringing back a lot of talent, including Tegan Davis, who we've said a couple times, amazing football player, just an amazing athlete overall. I mean, so the cupboard won't be bare next year either. No, um, we bring back a pretty good nucleus of Tegan Davis, Grady Thompson, who led the team in scoring. Tegan led the team in uh, rebounding, second in scoring, and Cole Monroe, I think third in scoring and third in assist. So we bring back those three, and then we bring back a whole host of juniors that came off the bench, such like a Christian Rosario, a Ryan Brucker, uh, Brady Byers, kids like that that will really help us out as well. And, I mean, our sophomores went 23-4. and four. Our freshmen had over 20 wins in their season. The future is looking bright for us. We just got to um, stay focused and keep the goal ahead of us on what we want to achieve and become better program still keeping the culture that we want to provide as coaches and uh, I think that'll lead uh, lead to more wins and hopefully more regionals and, and beyond accolades after that. When you see athleticism and you see players that can play the game is to try to keep this culture, keep everybody together, but huh, you always hear coaches and you know outside people say, hey, the game is between the ears. Do you think that the mindset-wise and the way they look at basketball, that they'll be able to stick together, stay cohesive, and make the goals and accomplishments they want to happen, happen? I think this group of kids, all three grades, I mean, obviously outside the seniors are leaving us now. I think they have a, a good head on their shoulders. I thought that's what made the senior group so good. It showed us that you can achieve stuff because they had a good head on their shoulders. So 
I think everybody knows what it takes to get to this point now. And so I think they know how hard it is to get there. I mean, it took us 10, 11 years to win a regional championship. So they're going to still have that chase. They're going to know that the end result wasn't what we wanted. They're going to let them feel that fire, uh, so to speak. They're going to get better at their craft, and I think you're going to see a, a better brand of basketball, I hope at least, for next year. Awesome. Well, I hope so, too. I'm always a fan of yours, always a fan of the Princeton Tigers, watching games. Super glad I was there. Even on a losing effort, it was awesome to be around the Princeton faithful. Man, they packed the stadium. They traveled well. They were everywhere. Yeah, it was uh, so awesome to see. That's what is fun about having success in a small town is seeing um, everybody's support that has your back behind you. And they brought it out in the regional championship. They definitely brought it out in the sectional game. That place was packed by a sea of blue, and it was it was fun to see. The kids had to like to play in it. I know I love coaching in it. I wish the result was better. But, yeah, we appreciate everybody's support from the administration to the student section to the parents, you know, to the fans that just want to come and support us. My old uh, players came and watched. I appreciated them. So it was just a lot of camaraderie going on that uh, – you normally wouldn't see. What's crazy and special about this game is it'll bring people like that closer together, and it's so cool to see when you see that. It was pretty cool. I saw Hall administration, Hall players. I saw players from St. Bede. I saw St. Bede coach. I saw two kids wearing Henry Sinatuan hoodies. I saw Ottawa player and coach that I know. There was everybody from everywhere out to support you guys. Yeah, yeah, that's cool to see, too, when you have really support like that. I'm not surprised because a lot of those people that I saw there are in high character. I consider them friends of mine and uh, I really appreciate their support from me as a coach. And I know the players really support it too. They're always uh, behind the scenes uh, texting each other and, and calling each other and congratulating each other or being there when you're down. That's what makes the basketball family so special as a coach for me anyways. And I, and I love the camaraderie of it. So to see that, it makes you have goosebumps. But again, that's what's special about this game of basketball is it, it will do that. It will bring everybody together like that. Couldn't agree more with you. Coach Smith, always a pleasure to speak with you. Had a great season, and I can't wait to see you on the court next year. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me.